Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Thing, I will. <laughs> Do. <laughs> the first thing uh, I will say is um, how uh, exciting it is to actually um, be talking to um, uh, people who are devoting so much time to, um, I use the same phrasing these days of to um, uh, discover the human nature. (laughs) (laughs) And nature in a larger sense. (laughs) Um, You know, some of you for weeks now and uh, and all of us for many weeks, uh, taking really the time to stop and uh, reduce the amount of um, the amount of stimulation, and calm the mind, pacify and unify the mind enough to be able to um, discover what this experience is made of. You know, it's uh, it's really a privilege to be able uh, to um, bring some thoughts here tonight in this context. So um, last week, if you remember well, uh, there was a Rohitasa, this um, beautiful, uh, candid, uh, trans person it was at that point. I think, uh, neither male nor female. I like that. <laughs> so that's for my own little feeling tone, personal tone, to bring, bring in a trans person. Rock the boat maybe a bit or not. And uh, so this beautiful being with a lot of energy for practice and uh, they're dis- uh, describing their... Um, search to reach the end of the world uh, to the Buddha. If you remember well, they were asking, is it possible by traveling to reach the end of the world? And the Buddha said, no. By traveling, it's not possible to reach the end of the world. But I'll tell you one thing. Without reaching the end of the world, there will not uh, be a, um, a stopping of ill or suffering. And this nuance, the play with the two words world, you know, the world as the outside world and the traveling in the world to reach the end of it. And the other world, the other meaning of world, like, uh, oh, I'd like to be in your world, you know, the world of experience, yeah. So when we left Rohitasa last week, they were about to switch... uh, Practice, you know, turn from the world to the 
inner world, the world of... Uh, uh. And so tonight I would like to continue speaking about this, about, uh, about this investigation that we're, uh, we're on of how does this world that I find myself uh, in get created? How does the suffering get created? Again, again, the mechanism of suffering and stress and the mechanism of disentangling and liberation. Yeah? And tonight I'd like to take uh, a, a, a very special teaching and explore this uh, with you, the teaching of the five aggregates. Um, because to me, this is, uh, it's been very central in my practice, so I'm kind of passionate about this uh, system for practice. And you might also be at the end, and you might also not be at all, which is fine because there's just one other tool. Uh, there's many tools to investigate the world, many ways to do that. This is one of them. Now my little selling pitch to start with and get you interested. If you didn't know, when the Buddha gave his first teaching to uh, five of his old um, yogi friends, we could say, uh, he mentioned the five aggregates, but only in passing. And, uh, and uh, the, the teaching was powerful, but the second teaching of the Buddha was the one where these five uh, practitioners got uh, freed in the discourse, in hearing it. Their mind uh, uh, was uh, cleared from any confusion. That discourse was about. What could it have been about? <laughs> <laughs> it was about the five aggregates. Um, there's hundreds of discourses where the aggregates are mentioned. So what they are is, um, is a description or tool, rather, to um, uh, a way, a reference. It's uh, almost as if, uh, you know, I go around the world uh, living my life with the glasses of me and what I want and how it should be for me and what I should do and how they should treat me and... You know? And when we come to the Dharma, we remove these glasses and we put other glasses. I don't know if I mentioned it here. That's one way I see it. The five aggregate is one pair of glasses that can be used as a reference to understand experience, understand what's happening now. So it's one of the glasses. So I'll try to you know, have them fit on you tonight a bit so that you can use these glasses if you see fit uh, and practice with them. Uh, so the, the, uh, the aggregates are, uh, it's a way to divide our experience. Any experience that we have uh, while we're here, for example, could be seen through the aggregates, understood through them. Yeah. So uh, I'll name them uh, quickly and then I'll go over them again uh, during the talk. So the five aggregates that constitute uh, the fullness of our experience is form. The first one is form, the physicality. 
The second one is Vedana or feeling tone that we talked about yesterday. The third one is perception, and I'll talk about this later. The fourth one is, um, quickly I'll just say it's intention that we spoke about this morning. And then the last one is consciousness. This would be a way that we would divide our experience, divide our reality from the point of view of experience, from the point of view of the one being in there experiencing life. Yeah? We could have decided to divide reality in two. Let's say we decide, let's do, uh, observe the world, feel the world, experience the world through mentality and physicality. We could have decided to go like this. There's many ways one could decide to divide experience. This is just one way, but apparently it was particularly potent in terms of freedom, in terms of bringing forward uh, freedom, release from suffering. I think that's why the Buddha devised that way of dividing experience in, uh, in five. One of the main things that it does is that it uh, helps break the idea of moi, me, self. Yeah? That we go uh, around being uh, moved by, fascinated by, obsessed with, need to defend, promote, you know. Um, so to break that perception some, uh, this is the model that is used, the five aggregates. My understanding, this is a wider uh, parenthesis maybe, my understanding of what we're doing here, certainly partly in, in the big part, is that we're moving from seeing the world only in a conventional way to going more towards ultimate reality, or at least balancing out these two levels of reality, the conventional, the way you, we usually understand the world and go about it, and bringing an understanding that is more ultimate and liberating. Yeah? So using the five aggregate is a little bit going towards more of the ultimate. So, um, these, uh, first the word aggregate, kanda. Uh, I don't know if it means something to you in English, aggregate. It's, it's not something that is often used, or maybe it's very technical. Huh? So we could, uh, some of the other, like more um, sp uh, usual language uh, words that are used is heap, or grouping, or the way I like to think about this is a river, as if there was constantly five rivers running through that makes what we say being me hearing the wind, you know. There's always these five rivers, they're very dynamic, so they're not things, 
but kind of activities that make being. And they influence each other and co-arise together. So uh, as I'm speaking now, I hope you're not lost. <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> now, five ways to divide experience. Yeah, okay. I'll take a drink. So, um, as we're sitting here having this experience of the talk being given, these five rivers would be running through. So, there is the river of uh, physicality. Huh? As you're sitting here, there's a, on your eardrum, there's the vibration of the sound. This is the physical world. There's waves that hits you. Yeah? And so this is happening right now. This is the physica physicality. It's always there. It's either you're hearing me, and if you're not hearing me, you're feeling your butt. You know, there's something happening. That, uh, you know, there's some physicality that is there. Yeah? So that's the first river. The image that the Buddha used to talk about this, uh, this river or heap or grouping of experience is a lump of uh, foam in the ocean. Yeah. And so uh, it points to, for me, probably for you also, the foam, the image of foam points to the ephemeral nature of the physical experience. The experience of this body sitting here now is like this. When the body was doing walking or drinking tea or laying down in the bed earlier, the foam was different, had a different shape. It was a different experience of body. Huh? So when we think of the body as something very solid, it's me, it was me, I came here last week, or, uh, you know, seven weeks ago, I'm here. At the end of the retreat, I'll go home, that's me. <laughs> that starts to break this down and say, like, let's bring attention to this. And we discover that all what we call this form, me, the body, is actually changing all the time. Yeah? So that's one of these. It's a river because it's changing all the time. If you stand up now, it's going to be a different experience. Even if you because it's very predominant for me in my experience right now, my hands. <laughs> if you think of your hands or feel them, there is a, it's a river of sensation that is there. It's a river of tingling. It's a, a river of uh, heat radiating or experiences, several experiences of uh, coldness, maybe, or pulsation. Yeah. So this is one of the river that makes uh, the being we are, the river of form. And there can be um, this attachment to this, this identification with this. This is me. Yeah? And so not on a conventional level. On a conventional level, we say we can use that languaging. Oh, I will meet you there at that time. Yeah? So that's very useful. But to actually, like many of us, most of us, us being the wide world now in my mind, most of us, we, we have left the conventional reality of this is me. 
um, it's not conventional for us. It's a complete explanation of reality. This is me. So there's a complete identification with this physical form that can uh, change. And so by being attentive to body and form, we can discover that uh, it's changing, it's impermanent. And that can help release the notion of I, this is me. Actually, the Buddha said there was um, four kind of basic views that one could have uh, uh, to identify with uh, any of these aggregates. And let's take form now because I'm talking about that aspect of reality. He said, you either think that this is you or you think that this is yours. Now, it's not me, but it's mine. Or you think that you're in it. Now, it's not me, it's not mine, but I'm inside the body. Or it's inside of you. I'm the universe, and this body is inside of it. Yeah? So it's either one of these. You might not be conscious of it, but, and this will apply to any of the other aggregates we'll look at. It's either me, mine, I'm in it, or it's inside of me. Okay, let's try maybe a second river that is there. So the second uh, river is the river of uh, feeling tone that we talked about yesterday. So with experience, and we said that yesterday, with any experience being heard, smelt, thought, uh, sensed, name the six senses there, with any experience, there's always this quality of pleasantness or unpleasantness or neutrality. We could say, well, there's neutrality, so it's not there. Well, actually, it's there because it, it's very important. It's going to provoke a bunch of things if it's neutral. So it's very important. Yeah? And so this feeling tone is, we could say, a little bit of... Um, uh, if you press, uh, I read this in an old, very old uh, book, if you, it's almost like uh, the, po the contact between, uh, let's say, the eye and the sight, there's a contact, there's a kind of a pressing against each other, a sound in the ear, there's a pressing. Out of this pressing comes a juice, you could say. It's the juice of feeling tone. It's the juice of life for many of us. It's pleasant, I like, it's good. Yeah? The image that the Buddha used for that aspect of our experience, or the, that river flowing through of uh, um, feeling tone, pleasantness, unpleasantness, or absence of either pleasant or non, uh, unpleasant, the image he uses the bubble, like um, the way it's described in the text is uh, at the s when it rains, at the surface of the little uh, puddle, there's these little bubbles when the 
rain drops in. Yeah, I, being of a French culture, like to think of champagne, personally. <laughs> As good, they're impermanent, the bubbles. Yeah? And so the image used is bubbles. And for me, these images of the foam in the river or the ocean, the bubbles and the other images coming are extremely important. They really, to me, they point really well to uh, the experience of feeling tone, how changing it is. As you're sitting here, even you might experience it, experiencing it experience it, yeah? So this, it's, something is said that's pleasant to you, and then something is said is unpleasant to you, or a feeling in your lower back, and suddenly, boom, it switched to unpleasant. It's very changing, very rapidly. Somebody was even mentioning it uh, yesterday morning at the Q&A, saying it, it goes pretty fast, yeah? So we're invited to put attention on this and see how little control we, are, are, we have rather, over it. The pleasantness, unpleasantness, is hardly controllable. Yeah? And it changes quickly. And so, our feelings of pleasantness or unpleasantness, yours or they're you? Or you, they're inside of you? Or you're inside of them. <laughs> my pleasure. You destroyed my pleasure. I was having a good night until you <laughs> started breathing in the hall. <laughs> we can get really attached to the, the, the pleasantness. And uh, uh, was, it, was it yesterday? I'll get all mixed up. It was yesterday. Uh, um, and he talked about the tendencies that can come out of uh, the feeling tone. That's a very, very central point to be in, get interested in if we are interested in freedom because that's where uh, grasping and clinging can happen. Uh, so the tendency, and he talked about, was uh, the tendency that when there is pleasant, it doesn't happen all the time. But it's good to see it actually happen when there's like, mm, good, want more, want to keep. Yeah? And Annie mentioned the tendencies, uh, the tendency being activated with unpleasant, of rejecting, fearing, uh, wanting to destroy, avoid. Yeah? There's actually a second tendency that I like being activated. In one text, it says, um, the, un, um, the untrained mind when meeting a difficult or an unpleasant uh, feeling tone, not knowing what else to do, they try to avoid it, they resent it, they try to run away from it. That's the first tendency. But having no other way to deal and cope with it, what they do, the untrained mind, if there was one here tonight. <laughs> the second tendency is to, because of no other idea how to cope with it, is to turn to look for something pleasant. <laughs> or have you noticed in your life? So, you sit here, it's getting a little boring, 
the neutrality is not so well met, so it's becoming unpleasant. And then, well, let's check out in the world of fantasy, you know, and create something. Yeah? And so the tendency when meeting the unpleasant is to actually turn very some, uh, towards something pleasant. And we see this in life. You, you, you read an email that is unpleasant, and you just reach for the, you know, the fridge door <laughs> to cope. Because unpleasant, you don't know what else to do with unpleasantness. So let's pile some pleasantness on top of it. Yeah? So I'm saying this because that can be interesting to watch the tendency that gets activated during, uh, while we're here. And for me, there's a special kind of joy. that I, uh, We talk sometimes about the Vipassana joy. And it's a very twisted <laughs> kind of joy, I want to say. It's when we actually see the teaching in action. So if I am actually there, there's unpleasantness, it's unnoticed, but it leads to looking for pleasantness. So, you know, I'm walking, it's getting a little hard on the legs or something, there's unpleasantness, and, but just go to rest a little bit in my room, you know? And suddenly I'm resting in my room and I'm like, oh, this, it was unnoticed, but what happened is this, there was this turning toward pleasantness because there, there was the incapacity to recognize unpleasantness. Yeah? In the same text, it says, the, on the other hand, the, the well-trained mind will know that uh, uh, unpleasantness comes to pass. They will be able to be with it, knowing that it will pass. Yeah? So just this recognition of, uh, of the impermanence of it. Yeah? One of the great teaching around the feeling tone that I've heard is that when pleasant passes, it's unpleasant. When unpleasant passes, it's pleasant. So they contained both, each of them. Yeah. And the tendency with neutral is to not talk about it <laughs> in Dharma talks. <laughs> Because <laughs> it goes unnoticed. <laughs> the tendency is to check out, to miss uh, this. Yeah. But So there's, a, there's the clinging that can happen with this feeling tone, but also the owning of it, the, the identifying with it. Yeah? Sometimes we can uh, uh, even get uh, stuck. The image of the bubble is like, this time is like a, a huge bubble. You know, like... Uh, that night in 1982, when you said that, <laughs> that was so unpleasant. Like I got stuck cl clinging to a feeling tone that is long gone, that lasted the moment, but the mind got stuck on it, you know? And there's rehashing. This is what you said, and this is what I said, and if I had said that next time, you know? And this trying to resolve a past unpleasantness. Or um, past pleasantness. Back in the days <laughs> when the feeling tone was a beautiful, pleasant bubble, and now it's gone. I'm laughing. I'm 
caricaturizing <laughs> a little bit. But still, it's good for us to notice this, how, how pleasantness and unpleasantness can rule our world. Yeah. Am I allowed to go one step back to the uh, to the form? Just because I uh, there's another little uh, in the text. There's something uh, that uh, I think is in interesting. There's the same kind of wording where it says, "The untrained uh, the untrained mind with form will feel the earth element. Will feel the earth element, the hardness or the." softness or harshness or smoothness or something like this will feel the earth element. We'll recognize it as the earth element, like sitting now, you know, there's hardness maybe. So the untrained mind will recognize it as the earth element, but we'll make this small little mistake out of which suffering will come. They will make this small little mistake. They'll think, they'll think this is earth element. And this is mine. This is my earth element. And in this text they say, the trained mind doesn't go that far. It just stops at, oh, this is earth element. This is hardness. It can be known. And a lot of the work here we do is to release that false view. And I've heard a number of times now say, earth element, pressure, is um, uh, public property. How can you actually claim hardness? Hardness is there, it's available. Many people will feel it at some point. Yeah? Plus, it's passing. As soon as the butt leaves the cushion, the hardness is not there. How can it be yours? How can it be mine? It's gone. Yeah. So it's interesting to see what the untrained mind does and what the trained mind or freed mind uh, does, the level of understanding. Yeah. So the third river, so there's a river of sensations, uh, sense, send five senses, the river of form running through all the time and it's changing all the time. Yeah. Sometimes we feel joyful and light, so the experience of the body is light. Sometimes we feel uh, oppressed by something and the experience of form changes, so the river of form really has a dynamic river. And we're invited here to really learn to see this, how it's changing all the time, cannot be owned, you know, is not solid, permanent. Same with the river of feeling tone, constantly changing moment of thinking of an unpleasant idea followed by a pleasant sound, followed by yeah, how it changes all the time, how it's conditional. Yeah? Remember one time sitting in the hall and there was this sound and it was a yogi making this sound. It was really annoying and it kept, keep, kept repeating itself and it was so unpleasant. Couldn't believe this yogi was making this sound. Suddenly, there was, uh, there was a perception change. It got more uh, refined and accurate. 
And it's clearly became, it became clear that it was actually a frog outside making that song. <laughs> it was interesting to see how suddenly it was pleasant. Same sound. But the relationship to it had changed. Some conditions had changed. It was not made by a human being. It was made by an animal. <laughs> and suddenly the feeling tone was pleasant. Yeah? So it's a river. So if the, just to mention that if the thing itself doesn't change, the relationship to it might. Yeah? So just that we don't go thinking that the feeling tone is uh, inside the object. The feeling tone is one of the aggregate on this side of reality. The feeling tone is, is, a, is a conditioned in this. It's happening in this mind. It's not, you know, that person is unpleasant. <laughs> the experience is here. Yeah? It's here we can do something about it. A lot, at least. Yeah. So this um, form, feeling tone, the third river running through is the river of perception. It's been happening the whole time. So the whole time since... Uh, many years and the whole time since we've been sitting here tonight. So perception in this very uh, precise understanding here of the five aggregate is the, the organizing of the world, the recognition of what is what. So uh, as um, I mean, there's many things, to say, like the sensations you have in your body, you don't have to work really hard. There's this river, it's offered freely of organizing the world. You, you know that the, these sensations are hand tingling, that these sensations are butt resting, or feet feeling heat or cold. You know, as you're hearing me talk right now, there are these vibrations at the at the at the at the ear ear door, yeah. And it and the uh, perception make it make sense. You rec recognize the words, yeah. You don't have to work really hard. There's a uh, a recognition of what's happening. As you look around right now, as I look around right now, I can see that my mind, I don't have to, it's not just like colors and shape and it's, it's a cushion, uh, person, yogi sitting, blanket. It recognizes, it's it, this, this river all the time that organizes the world. Do you recognize this in your experience right now? So this is offered freely. You don't have to do much it just does that, yeah? Often, we take this to be reality. Whatever I perceive, for me, is equals reality. And so in, uh, in this practice here, we start to bring really attention to this, how perception works, like in the example of the yogi making the sound, becoming a frog making the sound. What we're doing here on this retreat is actually refining perception. So, in the same way that, for example, you'll see a, a branch in the path in the summer. You see a branch. You walk closer and you see actually a group of ants walking. It was not a little branch. It was a group of ants. You break down the reality. You correct reality. And then when you come closer, you see one ant walking in the, the paw, or whatever it's called, of this little ant. Yeah? In the same way, I sit here, and it's 
my breath, the breath, always been the same. Why do, would I watch the breath? You know, it's in, out, I know. You know, suddenly there's something that appears. It's like, oh, this breath, maybe. Yeah? And even what I call this breath becomes cut into the beginning of the breath. And so at some point, this thing that I call the breath, I noticed that this is not actually a solid thing, that when there's the beginning of the in-breath, the end of the in-breath actually doesn't exist at all. And when there's the end of the in-breath, the beginning is not, it doesn't exist, but I make them together. You know, I put them together. Yeah? So there's the, the refining of perception that happens. Is this perception, this river of perception always happening, is it you or your, yours, your perceiving? Is it happening in you or your inside perceptions? So that's how the mind will own it, cling to it. So many things around perception. There's the owning of it, like the other aggregates, but there's also the functioning of it, how it's conditioned some of the distortions of perception that we clarify here is this will be satisfying. This will bring me complete happiness, this next meal or this next sit that I feel is going to be it, you know, or this talk. And, I, and in the end, you say, oh, no, it didn't quite do it. <laughs> Neither the meal because it's gone, nor the talk because this is samsara. The phenomena cannot bring complete satisfaction. It's not in their nature. They can't. Yeah? So there's a refinement of perception that we do on this, uh, on this uh, retreat here. We refine uh, perception. And one of the perceptions is the perception of self, of me, that we're going to break down into many moments of many different things many different sensations, many different mind states. And suddenly the idea of me is not so clear and solid. It's like, wow, this is very conditional. There's things appearing, disappearing, things that can be controlled, others that can't. Uh, So the fourth... uh, Oh, the image, very important. The image with perception is a mirage. Mirage, yeah? So you see how this image talks about how we can see in a certain way and how the the seeing can get uh, clarified or refined, yeah? So the next river that I uh, named at the beginning of the talk as being this river of intention, There's always intention. Actually, it's a much wider river or heap or grouping aggregate. It includes everything else that is mental, that is happening. So emotion, everything that, okay, we could say that um, the feeling tone is kind of um, we could say, I think, effect, uh, affective, how we're touched by the contact with the world. It's pleasant, it's unpleasant, it's neither one or the other. The perception is cognitive. This is a tree. 
this is a, a male, female, if we think in these terms, this, you know, this is food, this is etc. It names, this is cognitive. So this all other heap or river is the river of, um, we could say, um, reactive or responsive or uh, I've read somewhere purposive, if that means something to you. So it's how the mind engaged, engage with what is born out of the contact with reality. So I want, it hurts, I want to move my leg. The intention to move yeah, would be out of that. The conditionings of, you know, when somebody says that, it always makes me laugh. When somebody does that, you know, there's a conditioning to do this. When I hear that, I always get scared. This is how I am. You see? So that's another area where there's a, this identification can come. I don't know if you studied today uh, intention in your, uh, in your day of practice, if you were, were aware of this. This is one of the places where the, you know, at some point in our practice we can say, okay, Pascal, I'm not the body. Clearly, there is a body. I agree with Joseph. There is a body. <laughs> it's not mine. It's not me. It's there. It's totally, it doesn't disappear, but it's not me. It's, it's known. Okay, I agree with that. I agree with... Uh, uh, the fact that I'm not the feeling tone, okay, they do happen and they change quickly and I don't have control over them. I do. But the one who really goes to do the walking, this is me. The intention to stand up and go, this is me. Like I agree with everything else you say, that's fine. But intention, that's me. Yeah. So in Buddhism, it goes so far that it questions every aspect of reality as, is it really you? Can this really be owned? Is this really, do you have mastery over this or is this conditional? And I talked about this this morning, how intentions are conditional, you know? And so that's kind of the one of the, what is the expression, hideout of uh, selfing? Okay, this one I'm gonna keep identifying with, you know? So that's, that's, that takes really refined attention to be able to notice. It, it needs a mind that is really uh, able to be concurrent with the unfolding of events, that has a, an attention that is sustained over time to be able to catch how decisions are made because of circumstances. Yeah? And uh, um, I've been playing with this uh, a lot in the in the last few days, knowing that I would be talking about it, it's still so fascinating to me how suddenly at, at seven uh, something, I'm in the office up there and I have the idea that I could go down. You know, I'm giving a talk at 7.30. So of course at seven something, if things are right, the idea to go down will come, you know? <laughs> it's conditional in this way. But I can really be misled thinking that I'm deciding to go on a conventional level, totally. But when we, yogi, really slow down and take a good look at reality, a good, sustained, I want to say profound look, we notice how we're conditioned to, you know, how if you're interested right now or if you're disinterested, it's not so much a you that decides this. 
It's the temperament. It's what you're used to. It's what you trained yourself to be interested by. It's the biological level of energy available. You know, it's many things that will make you want to listen or want this to end. You know, it's not, it's not so personal. This, do not believe me. This is this practice. It's something, an invitation to actually slow down enough, gain enough attention to maybe see, see this or see something else. Maybe one important thing to say about intention, to rename a bit what I said uh, this morning, um, is uh, this is also a very, all these little chapters, rivers of experience, I think the Buddha divided them like this because they have so much meaning in terms of freedom and suffering. This intention, for example, is what's going to condition the experience further aggregates, further rivers, all the rivers. If, uh, if I train um, worry, resentment, my experience later, and neurology agrees with that, no? That there is these neural pathways that it even gets physical, you know, in the brain, yeah? And so, the way I use this mind, these intentions, will uh, have an impact on how I experience uh, life later. Uh, I, I was just about to say the Buddha, but what I meant was Joseph. <laughs> I had the moment of delusion or clarity. <laughs> a number of uh, nights ago, you will remember, was talking about renunciation. And uh, I think, uh, if I remember well, that's when you talked about this, uh, Joseph, about these kind of two ways that the Buddha divided his experience. Uh, these are in my words this time. But uh, I always found this very fascinating, fascinating that the Buddha at some point said, I'm going to make uh, a division between two kinds of thoughts or intentions. That's this river that I'm talking about now. So I'm going to put in one all the intentions of renunciation or generosity, uh, kindness, uh, all these wholesome intentions. These I'm going to cultivate. I'm going to appreciate. And uh, every time there's an, uh, an intention that is related to hatred, greed, aversion, uh, delusion, or cruelty. These are my words, not exactly his or theirs. <laughs> he said, I'm going to actually abandon this. So he was basically looking at this aggregate and saying, I'm going to act on a certain kind of uh, qualities of mine, and I'm going to abandon a certain other qualities of mine. And in this way, my life should gain in freedom and ease, and I should go in the opposite direction uh, from suffering. Yeah? And when I read this, I'm like, wow, this is so simple. Just have this to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And then practicing how complex it's get, it gets, you know? Like, is that that intention or that? In I'm not clear if I'm being general, uh, generous right now or if I'm 
looking for vengeance <laughs> as I'm generously giving this feedback to this person. <laughs> you know, what's happening here? What is the motive, the intention? So it's not easy to, to do. But at the same time, I have to say that these days it's a lot in my mind that it's actually pretty simple if one can recognize and just joyfully abandon. Joyfully because knowing this is going to lead to trouble. You know? And if something of beauty, beautiful states of mind are there, you know, some, I'm talking about uh, the highest kind of uh, aesthetic, aesthetism, aesthetic, yeah, related to beauty, at least in French it is. So if when I see beautiful states of mind, I uh, rejoice, feel, sense them, uh, nurture them, then uh, there's something very simple about this and very, very uh, beautiful and wholesome and truly liberating. So maybe that's the few words on uh, that river that is running through also. It's always there. So as you have the intention right now, maybe to listen, or the intention to think about something else that is more pleasant, you know, but still it's, it's somewhere effective, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and the last river is this river of consciousness. This is the activity of knowing. It's something actually extremely simple, maybe also mysterious, but it's this knowing that is happening with any of these other aggregates or in any experience that we have. There might be the recognition of what it is that, you know, this is played and this is striped, you know, there might be, but there's, an, there's another kind of knowing that is extremely simple. It's the actual connecting, contact, uh, and receiving the experience. Yeah? So it's not the organizing of the world, but the being there-ness, we could say, the awareness that it's happening. Yeah? This, if you manage to clarify that all the others are not me, not mine, uh, they're really happening out of conditions, but the observer is moi. <laughs> you know? And again, I don't want, very important here, not to think that I should not perceive reality like this. Oh my God, I'm perceiving that I'm lifting the glass of milk. You know, wrong, everything's wrong. <laughs> it's not like this in practice. I would just become aware of it. Like, wow, it really appears like this. You know, it appears, it's really convincingly, three-dimensionally, totally appearing like I'm, it's felt like this, being aware of it, being aware of the, the way it's perceived. Or I'm, what is he saying? I'm here listening to the talk, you know. <laughs> you, there's nothing wrong with that. You can totally be aware of this. It feels like I is experiencing this. When actually... We could say it's just a factor of mind. There's one of the fact, you know, the generosity sometimes is a factor of the mind that is in there, and it wants to give, it's, it wants to share, that's its function. And there's consciousness, you could say is also something, function in the mind that is knowing experience, nothing personal about it. But 
you see how sticky it can be, but it's really me. It really appears like it's me. Yeah? One way to break it down maybe a little bit is to talk about it's, uh, the six kind of consciousness. The consciousness of uh, uh, hearing at the ear door. The consciousness of sensation. Z. The consciousness, consciousness of um, all these senses of smelling consciousness or tasting consciousness. So, try to hear the bell. That's the classic example here. Try to hear the bell, to have the hearing consciousness, hear the bell before it actually rings and after it will have rung. Bell hearing consciousness is concurrent with bell ringing. It cannot happen before or after. It doesn't last after. It arises with the experience and dies with it. Consciousness of uh, feet right now appeared conditionally to me suggesting it. And it didn't appear before it, you know, before, it didn't appear before the sensation or after it's concurrent. It appears with it and dies with it when you bring your attention to your earlobes. If you do. <laughs> yeah? So there's this uh, consciousness we might perceive as something that has duration, it stays. It's me. But in this way of using the aggregates, I, I start to see how it arises with experience. Hearing consciousness arise with that. Uh, consciousness of your father arise with that image in mind, you know, that thinking consciousness. Arise with it and dies with it. It lasts only the moment that it's in contact with the experience and dies right there. And so we can become aware of this uh, in our practice to see how a consciousness of a certain kind arises with the experience. It's mixed and it's impossible to remove it. it but it's the knowing aspect of the experience. It's not the bell ringing, it's the knowing of it. Yeah? So these are the five uh, rivers constantly running through. If you want to play with this, you can. Uh, um, what I like to do often is, uh, and you'll adapt this as you want, but um, in the right weather conditions, I'll take a walk uh, around the loop at lunchtime and uh, I'll just spend a few minutes being aware of form, the river of form, and as I walk, constantly changing its uh, hardness, uh, uh, you know, uh, lightness, movement, yeah, its hearing, its, uh, its, uh, its hearing vibration, its feeling body, yeah, 
the form, the physicality, material world. Yeah? I can s feel this. And then I'll spend a few more seconds, 30, 40 seconds, just being aware of feeling tone. I zone in or focus in pleasantness and unpleasantness or neutrality. I'm like, as I'm walking, oh, beautiful tree, car coming, unpleasant fear arise, you know, and it's unpleasant sensation, car pass by, oh, release, feels pleasant. You know, I can be aware of just the changing nature of pleasantness, unpleasantness. Then I go to the next river. I, as I'm walking, I could, can totally experience that this mind organizes the world. It's trees, road, left side of road, you know, car, it names things. It's not like, what is happening? It knows, it organizes in a certain way, you know? I can see this. And then I spend another few uh, seconds just noticing that there's an intention to walk, an intention to look in that direction, maybe. What are the, where can I, or the production of thoughts, you know, that's also part of this aggregate that I see something and I thought, ah, oh, these walls, we don't have these walls. Is it only in Massachusetts they have these rock walls? There's so many of them. This farmer, did, who did that? Who was paid? Did they, were they paid? You know? <laughs> it's like, wow, it's producing a lot. It's, there's a visual contact and it's producing stuff. You know? This is that, that river running. Yeah? And then there'll be the last river. of like, wow, there's consciousness. Through all this, there's a knowing. There's a... Uh, an awareness of, of all these different things, and it's happening now. There's a knowing quality. Yeah? So this is, and this slowly breaks the notion of me walking. It's just these things working together. This is human experience. Yeah? So that's, uh, that's one way to work with it. But the um, invitation, if you take this on as a glasses to look at the world uh, as dharma rather than as what I want in life, you know? These are, you can take another pair of glasses. If you don't like the five ags, you can put the four noble tea, you know? Or you can put them down and take another pair of glasses of uh, this, something else. I don't want to get you too confused, but there's, there's many of them, the Brahma Viharas. You know, is there presence or absence of uh, care in here? Is there or hindrances? Is there presence or absence? Of, yeah. So, if you take on the five aggregate glasses, then you would uh, you would learn to recognize them in experience. That's already a skill to gain, and then you would see their impermanent nature, their unsatisfying nature, beings changing all the time. How many thoughts will it take, as I've heard uh, Joseph say many years ago, which thought will be the satisfying one, you know? Or which feeling tone will be the one that will do it, you know? None, yeah? So the impermanence, the unsatisfactory nature of them, and the incapacity to own any of this stuff. Because it runs by, because it uh, arrives uninvited, I, I heard here in the hall, you know? So... Um, Oh, sister, thank you, ally. Um, so the, for the, for the, uh, and I love 
these images too. For the mental formations and the intentions is a, a, ba an M, a banana tree trunk mm -hmm. because we, uh, we can see that there's no, um, there's no hard wood or heartwood in the banana tree. It bears its fruits and it falls flat on the ground. And you see this, you're sitting here and, and uh, suddenly there's this m mental formation of like, oh, where I want to be is not here, you know, because there's an experience of, I want to be in this place with these, these people or that person. And there's this big production of banana with the fruits, you know, the banana tree and the great fruits and the beautiful leaves, and it's a big production. And after it, it when it's bore, bear, bored, it's fruit, it falls flat on the ground. And I'm like, oh, there's a big production and it had no substance to it. Yeah? It, it was uh, an empty arising. It felt, or it felt like I am the one turning when I reach the end of my path. But if I look closer, there's no core, there's no essence. Pascal that is turning, it's a bunch of conditions that make turning happen. Yeah? So the plantain tree trunk. And the last one consciousness is the magic show or the magician, you can choose. And it's just that it gathers all these sensations and feeling tones, and it knows all this, and it makes it, wow. It's really happening to me. It creates this illusion of continuity of moi, you know, that is uh, very uh, enticing, very, uh, very, uh, yeah. So these are the image, foam and um, bubble and mirage and plantain tree and finally magic show. Okay. So, hopefully there was something in there for you. And um, yeah, let's finish by just sitting a moment in these rivers, maybe. See if you can uh, remember and recognize them in your experience right now or some of them, the most apparent, maybe. all have um, a fluid sense of self that can come in when useful and be dropped right away instead of a rigid sense of self. May we all know freedom within these uh, five aggregates and help uh, use them to free the mind rather than to entangle it. <coughs> 